So today we're going to continue through this series. How many of you were challenged and encouraged last week? How many of you were more challenged than encouraged? Raise your hand. A few of you. Uh, we're going to continue to try to have a godly perspective on our world around us right now. Folks, listen, you're getting inundated with information between the news and from social media and newspapers and other forms. Uh, you're getting stuff in the mail that are papers about who you should vote for and who you shouldn't vote for. You're getting hate mail where people are hating on other people, telling you how awful they are. Listen, it's not good. So we learned last week that we need to pray for our leaders and that we don't have the luxury of choosing to pray for a leader that we approve of or a leader we don't approve of. The scripture says pray for your leaders. Pray for your authorities. And so that was eye-opening. That was hard. And today... You know, I'm going to talk with you about the fact that we need to develop a watchman mentality. As believers, we have a responsibility to develop a watchman mentality. You know, we talked about praying, yes, but there has to be more than just prayer. We are called to more than just prayer as the children of God, as the people of God. He never told us to just go pray and talk to me about everything. He told us to go and to preach the gospel. Amen? So there's more to it than just praying all the time. Now, can I just be honest? When I come down here, when I'm honest. Up there, you can't trust anything I say. But when I come down here, I'm honest. The, the church, for far too long, has said for Christians to stay out of politics. Now, I know I said this last week. You're probably going to hear me say this a little bit. But, but I'm going to say a statement And you tell me if you've either heard, I won't say, say, I won't say that you've said this statement, just raise your hand if you've heard it, okay? Even if we found a godly politician who was nominated and elected, the minute they get to Washington, they'll be just as corrupt as the rest of them. Has anybody else ever heard that before? How many are going to be brave enough you say that you've said it? Don't, just leave your hands down. Just leave your hands down. When when did we develop, as children of God, this godless, defeatist mentality? How sad is that? Really, folks, I've said it before. I'm going to be honest with you. I've said it before. But what a... a, uh, this, This reflects where we're at as a nation, as the church in this nation. Of hopelessness. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything anyway. I'm not going to vote. My vote doesn't count. doesn't matter. Have you heard that before? What's the point? It doesn't matter. Even if it's somebody we like, they're not going to get anything done. Folks, listen. Child of God. If that's the principle in our life, And if it's a life principle, then it must be applied to all parts of our life. Amen? If you have a principle in your life and you say that's a life principle, then it needs to be applied to all principles of areas of your life, right? So if my principle is, is that nobody can, that even a godly Christian man or woman cannot impact our government for good because it's too corrupt. And even if they go there, they're going to be corrupt. It's hopeless then we've got to apply that to our lives, that if Christians can't go into politics because it's too corrupt, well, then we're all going to have to quit going to work. Folks, listen to me. 
We have been so programmed by the media, by our culture, about ourselves as Christians, that it has choked the light and the power of Christ out of the picture. We Americans here in America, Christian Americans, honestly think that it doesn't matter who goes there, they're going to be corrupt and it doesn't matter anymore. We have totally removed the greatest power, the greatest light, the authority of the universe from being able to do anything with corrupt people. I can't get involved with that preacher. I'm a Christian and that's too corrupt. I can't get involved with government. It's too corrupt. Well, then quit going to work, Christian, because I guarantee you, your workplace is corrupt. Except for Tom and Julie, who are self-employed and work together. Although, that the verdict's still out on that one. She's got to work with Tom. It's a little bit corrupt. Amen? I mean, let's just throw in the towel. We can't. Some of us are going to have to move out of our own homes. It's too corrupt. Christian can't be there. It's too corrupt. You know what? If that's the mentality, then let's just throw in the towel and stop missions altogether. Let's not send a Christian to Africa ever again. Let's never send a believer into China ever again undercover at dark bringing Bibles to people who are longing for them. You know, because it's not worth it. It's too corrupt. You know what? Let's leave those women and those little girls trapped in those brothels in human trafficking because the environment is just too dark. It's just too corrupt. And any Christian that might try to penetrate that culture is just going to be corrupt themselves. We need to just quit. Folks, we have allowed ourselves to be lulled to sleep in this nation. Because a Christian will have, I feel the Holy Spirit all over me when I'm saying this to you. A Christian will have a very strong, firm stance when we talk about all the other things of missions that I talked about. But nobody believes that God can move through a man or a woman in the political system. You feel that questioning? You feel that conflict inside of you? Where did that come from? Folks, today we need to develop a watchman mentality. We are the ones who God has appointed at this day and age to be the prophets of this culture. We are the ones that are supposed to be penetrating dark places. We are the ones that are supposed to be carrying light into darkness. We are the ones that are not supposed to be afraid that dark would overcome light. We actually should believe and have faith that light overcomes darkness. And so we have to get ourselves to a place to where we understand what our role is. And today I want to help you with that. If you look at Ezekiel 33, you'll see that we need to develop the same mentality that Ezekiel was called to. Beginning in verse 2, the Lord says to him, Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. 
But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked... O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways. That wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his sin, his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will be saved yourself. A watchman. The role of a watchman, the Lord compared the responsibility that Ezekiel had to the role and responsibility of a watchman in that day and age. A watchman would stand guard, a sentry standing guard on the the, the wall or a high tower watching and looking, always watching and watchful. And as he would watch, if he saw a threat, if he saw an enemy coming, if he saw marauders or raiders or thieves or whatever coming, he would shout out and give out the cry and the warning so that people could take cover, prepare themselves and arm themselves to defend themselves. If he would not do that and people were hurt because of it, this man will be held accountable for their blood. In the same way, the Lord says, I'm going to hold you accountable. If you didn't Give the cry. Folks, here's the thing. A watchman has vision. A watchman is above and sees beyond. Children of God, we are the prophets of this generation. Whether we are a biblical prophet or not, doesn't matter. But you and I are in this world, but not a part of it. We have a vision of what's taking place. We have biblical prophecy that we have hidden in our hearts. We know the direction of certain things playing out. We understand what is righteous in God's sight and what is not righteous in God's sight. We see it. We understand it. And because of that, we have been placed on the wall by God to say, watch out. It's coming. We are the ones that are called to give a warning, not just heed the warning, but to give the warning. And folks, sometimes you got to say something. You got to speak. You've got to speak up. Amen? For far too long, for far too long, our culture, the church in America has been afraid to speak. We have become so proper. Aren't you glad that we've become so proper? We've become so proper that we're becoming like Europe again. Folks, hear me when I say this. The church got put to sleep because she has to be proper. People will be afraid to speak. It's not right. You just need to sit back and be quiet. You should never speak up. You should never do anything. You you just pray. That's false. That's false. And that's false doctrine that we've lived up to this day for a long time. That's why we can't pray in our schools anymore. That's why we're killing babies by the thousands. That's why today gay marriage is legal. Folks, and many other, a plethora of other things. That's why we're in $19 trillion debt. That's just as godless as abortion. As a nation, we're kind of thieves. You know that, don't you? When you borrow money that you never intend to pay back, that's called thievery. 
That's our government. The reason all this stuff's happened is because the people who know righteousness have never stood up for righteousness. They don't speak about righteousness. They don't press righteousness. They get afraid. They back down. They don't want to say anything because they don't want to offend somebody. That's not very Christian-like of you to offend someone. How dare you? The Word of God is offensive. Get over it. It's offensive. It's going to offend us. How, how many people like to be told they're wrong? Raise your hand. Yes. That's what I thought. It's offensive. And this culture doesn't like to be told that it's wrong. But how are they going to know it's, they're wrong unless somebody tells them? Amen? You know, people have this problem. Sometimes something will come up, uh, let's say a political argument at a break room table, and somebody will say something, they're very aggressive, and they have their opinion, they're very strong about their opinion, and blah, 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 blah. Well, you're stirred in your spirit, and you say, well, I, I think I need to bring some light to this situation about truth, righteousness, and about the Word of God. But they don't do it because they think in their mind, well, I know how this is going to go. They're not going to listen to me. I'll say this, they'll say that, they'll say this. Then we get a little bit of afraid that we're not going to know what to say. So we don't say anything. And the result is, is the deception gets voiced and the truth is never heard. And so the result is, is that we have a culture today surrounding us that's lost and dying and going to hell because the church has shut its mouth up a long time ago. We've thrived off of sermons from pulpits, preachers, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate you coming. I'd rather preach to a full room than two people, my wife and my daughter, amen. But, but folks, this can't just be it. This can't be the only time the word's proclaimed. It's got to be proclaimed outside these walls by you and myself included, amen. Has to happen. We get afraid and we assume, well, nobody's going to listen. Well, Ezekiel was told this by God, and we'll refer to it here in a little bit again, where he says, it doesn't matter whether they listen Or whether they don't listen, it doesn't matter. You say what I tell you to say. We need to quit coming to the conclusion in our minds thinking how all of it's going to work out. You're not a debater. You're not a lawyer. You're not a friend maker. You're a watchman. And a watchman just gives out the call. A watchman doesn't make friends. He just says, to whoever's going to listen, you can save yourself or you can ignore That's your choice. But I have a responsibility. Folks, we have got to begin speaking the truth. We have to begin to talk. There are ways of talking in our government to make an impact. There are legal channels and avenues by which we can go and make an impact. The, the, the approach that we have right now, I mean, you can call a representative, you can call your congressman, you call somebody. Listen, folks, there ain't nothing wrong with calling somebody in office. I've done it before. It works. It's pretty cool. But right now, coming up in a few weeks, the avenue is our vote. And people say, Pastor, it doesn't really matter. My vote doesn't count anyway. Uh, Nobody's going to listen. I don't like either candidate, and I don't like this, and I don't like it. Listen, folks, there's a whole lot more offices than just president. And I'm going to say this until we vote. I want every individual that's connected with our church, whether you're a member, not a member, you're a visitor, I don't care who you are, if you are a child of God, and you believe in biblical, godly biblical principles in your life, you need to pray, you need to seek Him. You need to learn the platforms of the candidates, of all candidates, not just presidential, of all of them. Find out what their platforms are and vote accordingly. Amen. 
I will not stand up here and tell you to vote for Donald Trump, and I will not stand up here and tell you to vote for Hillary Clinton or any of the other independent ones that are involved. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you as a child of God that you will need to use your voice in the ballot box. How else are they going to hear? We need to make sure that we are voicing the truth. I can't help but think of Esther in Esther chapter 4. We know that Queen Esther, back in her day, evil Haman was a problem. And he was manipulating folks. Catch this. Haman was manipulating the governmental system to wipe out an entire people group. Haman manipulated it. Was going to have the Jews exterminated, killed. But because of a sweet, precious, beautiful young lady who had the guts enough to step up and say, you know what, maybe I've been put here for such a time as this. And said, I'm going to go to the king, and I won't read all of it for the sake of time, but verse verse 16, she tells Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. If he hears me, he hears me. If he doesn't hear me, he doesn't hear me. If it costs me my life, whatever. I wasn't called to be a queen. I wasn't called to be comfortable in a palace. I was called to be a watchman. problem with America is we like our palaces. We like our comfort. We like being hidden and not talked about and not discussed and not stirring things. But folks, everybody else around us has no problem stirring things up. What about the light inside of you? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to move forward? Are you willing to do what God has called you to do in necessary things to see Him move in situations? We need to develop beautiful feet. We need to get a spiritual pedicure. Amen? Some of you are like, what in the world is He talking about now? Well, He's talking about being a watchman. Now He's talking about getting His toenails done. Well, that passage of Scripture in Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Now listen, stop for a minute, if you will, and think of this. You say, Pastor, sometimes I get afraid to talk about these things because it seems like I'm just going to offend people. Hear me, if you will, for a second. You have forgotten what it is that you have inside of you. You've got the good news. You've got water to the thirsty. This message that we carry is like food for the hungry. It's like clothes for the naked. It's like shelter to the homeless. Amen? It's hope for the hopeless. This message that we have inside of us is the life for the dead. The people you see every day may seem confident and bold, but I promise you they are parched dry land longing for something real. This message that is inside of you is the type of message where it was sung of old that you have beautiful feet. Can't help but think of the stories of evangelists and missionaries that I've, I've spoken to and, and they've painted beautiful pictures 
of, of, of sneaking Bibles into China and seeing people just fight over. We shared a video one Wednesday night of, of a brief a suitcase opened up in China and they just began to just grab these Bibles and they couldn't yell out loud because they had these Bibles and they would be heard and they weren't allowed to meet there with those Bibles together or else they'd be arrested. And so they quietly grabbed them, scrambled, and went to the sides of the room and wept quietly. We've forgotten what the message is. My friend who, who went to minister in Vietnam and had to, had to be taken by motorcycle to motorcycle to motorcycle and driven around for a couple hours and then, and then over a period of time, every five minutes or so sporadic times, people were going into this place in this motel and when he got there, they had taken mattresses and put them around the walls and, and insulated the walls so nobody could hear. When he got into that room, people were pressed in like this in the room facing and waiting to hear the man of God come and share the gospel. Hours they had stood there. We forget what kind of message we have. But yet we don't want to make somebody uncomfortable. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to upset somebody. We need to get beautiful feet. Because how are they going to know? We know what the Scripture says in Romans 10 where it talks about salvation. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For then shall, how then shall they call on the name whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, him whom, of whom he... How can they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the Lord of the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Folks, we have got to stop and realize the gospel message is good news. And how are they ever going to hear if nobody says anything? Amen. Blows my mind, blew my mind as a youth pastor. I wasn't too long in when I start having kids coming in to church. It's easy here in Covington to think everybody knows the gospel. Everybody knows who Jesus is. Everybody knows and understands. Everybody gets it. People, these kids come in and they didn't even know who Moses was. They, they didn't even know about Jonah and the whale or the fish. They didn't know anything. They didn't know about David and Goliath. I never forget teaching about David and Goliath and kids going, when you're standing on a chair and giving an example of how tall David was and, and they're just mesmerized like, are you serious? I've heard people say it's a David Goliath type of a football game or of a David and Goliath baseball game, go Cubs, or anything like that. But I didn't realize it was a real thing. Folks, how are they going to know unless they hear? How are they going to know? How are they going to have a chance to respond unless somebody says something to them until somebody stops and says, let me tell you about Jesus. He's more than just a curse word when you hit your hand with a hammer. He's more than a word of frustration when your mom and dad tell you to clean your room. He's, he's more. Let me tell you who he is. They, our world needs the people of God to start being the watchman and telling this world who Jesus is. And, and we need to stop being silent. You tell me. 
Preacher, I just don't, I just don't think it's right that, that the church people should be raising up and saying things to the government. I just don't think that that's proper and, 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 and very Christian-like. Well, then read the Old Testament. You tell me if there was ever a godless king that didn't have a prophet that he hated because the prophet would say, I'm going to tell you the truth in this situation. You tell me that John the Baptist shouldn't have called Herod what he called him and called him the situation and his marriage and all that kind of stuff. He shouldn't have told you. Tell me that that was wrong. There comes a time where you step up and you call the truth the truth and you deal with it because it needs dealt with. And sometimes when you're dealing with Paul and his situation, who even called out and said, I demand to be stand before Caesar because he wanted to tell Caesar some things. He wanted the gospel to be heard. All of this stuff, folks, is, is very clear. It was promised by Jesus that, that they would stand before these synagogues and rulers in Luke 12, verses 11, 12, when you are brought before synagogues, when it says when you are brought. When. Everybody say when. when. Why does it say when? Because God wanted them there. God wanted him there. It will happen when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities. Do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Do we believe in the working and the power of the Holy Spirit in this church? Then don't you ever, child of God, leave a conversation again afraid. Don't shut down a conversation ever again because you're afraid you won't know what to say. The room just got silent. Didn't have one amen over that. Why is that? Why is that? Why is it, why is it so much? Like, listen, have we stopped depending on the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit just the, the entity that causes us to speak in tongues? Or is He something bigger? Huh? He's God. And He can move outside these walls just as He can move inside the walls. And he says, when you stand before rulers, I'm going to speak for you. You'll know what to say at the time. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't stress. I did a wedding yesterday for the first time without notes. Don't be worried, y'all. It was only about four minutes of my time. It wasn't a big deal. I just had to say a few parts. But, but me, I've always got to have this or else I'm scared to death. I'm going to get lost. You know, God will help you when you need it. He's going to help you know what to say. It's His promise. Lastly, in all these things, we have to remember what kingdom we are a part of. Yes, God's called us to be watchmen. Yes, He's empowered us with His Spirit to speak. He expects us to speak the truth. But in the midst of all of it, we need to remember what kingdom we are of. What am I talking about? John 18, verse 36, Jesus said to Pilate, He said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. What he's saying is, is look, we don't fight like everybody else fights. Just because you have the truth, just because you know God, just because you know the Lord, what He has spoken in His Word about righteousness and faith, and just because He's called us to speak that truth, doesn't mean we act like the world does when we do it. Doesn't mean we riot. Doesn't mean we, doesn't mean we rape and pillage like a bunch of stinking pirates. 
I mean, we tear and burn down the buildings and the, the city and they're going to hear us. It doesn't mean that we're disrespectful and rude. It just means we're clear. It means we follow the, the patterns that are laid out in our government for us to be able to voice ourselves. It means that we do it legally. It means we do it correctly through those systems. And if we are going to speak, if we are going to be heard, let it all be done in the Spirit of Christ, but by all means, speak. We can't just pray to God about it. We've got to speak. We've got to be heard. Can I use a worldly term for just a second? Is it okay? Now, when I was a kid... I wouldn't fight anybody. I'll fight you. If you want to fight, I'll fight. Let's go. So you may get the best of me, but I guarantee you there'll be a pile of dust and smoke by the time I'm finished. You know I was there. Right? How many men in the room know what I'm talking about? Right? I know. Moms all over the place say, nobody ever wins a fight. Well, yes, they do. But anyway, <laughs> there is a winner. Even if they're both losers, there is a winner to the fight. You know what I'm saying? Why is it we can have a mentality like that in, within us, but as it pertains to our nation, why would we just sit back and let it go instead of kicking up a little bit of dust and making some noise along the way? What, whatever happened to defending and fighting for the things we believe in? Whatever happened to being heard and saying, I will not back down? Do you realize if, if, if the church today would have been established back in 1775, we wouldn't be celebrating July 4th, 1776 anymore? Because we would have backed off and said, well, no, you can take our taxes, you can do whatever you want. Folks, what part of our heritage said sit back and let everything literally go down the tubes? Seriously, we've got to stand up because here's the thing. I want us to be so much of watchmen. I want us to be heard. I want us to be to, to, to take the message to those that we see every day because here's the situation. In Isaiah 30, in a day when Israel was rebellious, this was the condition of the nation. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. That was the condition of Israel just before she was shipped into bondage. Does it sound a little bit like our culture today? You know what? I want to just drive them crazy. I want them to know Jesus. And I want to speak the truth in love and through the right systems and the right avenues in such a way that they're just sick and tired of hearing it. I want to hear somebody say this to me. Just tell me something nice, Pastor, so that I don't have to hear all this stuff, this truth all the time. I'm sick of hearing it. We need the people of God to invade this nation once again to the point to where people who are rebellious actually have some resistance. <laughs> Is this okay? I promise you I'm not starting some kind of a, what, not a rebellion, but a, anyway. There will be a militia meeting right after church. <laughs> Isaiah 56.10. Listen to the condition of the pastors of the day. Israel's watchmen are blind 
They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They are shepherds who lack understanding. They all turn to their own way. Each seeks his own way, his own gain. Come, each one cries, let us get wine. Let us drink our fill of beer. And tomorrow will be like today or even far better. Folks, I could go on a rabbit trail about the beer thing. There are there is a movement of ministers who are taking this whole alcohol thing to another level and, and begging for it. As ministers, we need to be approved to drink alcohol. This is just fulfillment. You, you want to fight with me about alcohol and any of the other stuff, we can talk about it. But I can tell you this, I've never uh, seen anybody come off of a drunken night waking up and saying, you know, I'm really glad I did all that. Why would you want your watchman that way? Who would want a drunk watchman? Everybody's like, is that Bill? Bill, you got a gun. I don't, come on in. I don't even know who you are. Come on. Folks, we, we can't act like that if we're the church. We need to wake up. Need to get ourselves under control and we need to speak the truth. Amen? In closing, I'm finished. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. It's eleven forty one. You got plenty of time. The militia meeting will be in twenty minutes. <laughs> in Ezekiel chapter two, listen listen to what the Lord says to Ezekiel, verses three through seven. He said, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or are terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. This is the call of God to our church, to the United States of America, is that they need to hear. And when the election's over, they still need to hear. It's just like prayer. We can't pray like crazy leading up to the election and then stop praying. Amen? We stand for truth leading up to the election, and we stand for truth afterward. Amen? And there is no reason to fear. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to back down. This isn't about gaining friends. This isn't about being popular. This is about warning. This is about truth. As I was reading that passage in preparation, it made me think of Paul Revere. Paul Revere's ride. Put two lights two lanterns, hung two lanterns up in the church tower to let the people know that they were coming by way of sea. And he jumped on his horse and he took off. And on his way, he began to go from house to house, beating on doors, 
letting out the cry all the way up to midnight. The time when people were closed in, locked in at home. He's beating on their door saying they're coming. Giving the warning over and over and over. And as I was reading on this the other day, this paragraph just got me. Said on the way to Lexington, Revere alarmed the countryside, stopping at each house and arrived in Lexington about midnight. As he approached the house where Adams and Hancock were staying, a sentry asked that he not make so much noise. Noise, cried Revere. You'll have noise enough before long. The regulars are coming out. Folks, we live in a culture today where people tell us not to make so much noise. In the political realm, don't make so much noise. Don't talk about it. Ignore it. Don't, don't, don't voice your opinion. Don't talk about what God has said or anything else. Just, just be nice. Get along. Uh, don't, don't make waves. All of these things. But I'm telling you, when they tell you to be quiet, we need to say noise. You want me to be quiet? Things are going to get ugly before long. We are living in the last days. This is more than an election. This is, I'm not talking to you just about an election. Election is part of it. That's a time for us to voice our opinion. Yes, our nation is at a crossroads. But beyond that, folks, it's something even greater. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming. He's coming. Things are coming to a head. You, you turn on the news. You watch news in the Middle East. You, you hear the wars and rumors of wars. You see what's taking place. Folks, Christ is coming again. Things are coming to a head. It's going to happen. And we need to make sure that we are found working. How do we work for the kingdom? We speak the truth. We stand for righteousness. We stand for holiness. We, we, we love the unlovable. We minister to those who are homeless. We minister to those who are hungry. We minister to those who are in need. The poor are blessed and ministered to. We do these things. Why? Because we want to be found working when he returns. We want people to know that there is a God in heaven and there is a Savior that went to the cross for their sins. There is forgiveness. There is salvation. And there is a hope beyond the United States of America, beyond an election, beyond all of these things. Yes, we'll stand for righteousness in our government, but beyond that, we are going to stand for righteousness, period, because he is the only hope Noise. You don't want me to make noise? Child of God, we have got to find out what God says about all of this stuff. We need to quit living our lives according to political opinions from media and get in the Word of God and find out what the Holy Spirit says. Find truth. Understand truth. Live truth. Speak truth. Vote for truth. As the Spirit leads you to. Again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I will tell you to vote. Don't you dare, child of God, walk into a voting booth with a defeatist mentality saying this doesn't matter because it does. It does. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this day, this time together. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that we would become watchmen, that we become more alert 
to what's taking place around us. God, we're the ones with the vision. We're not, we're not a part of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it, God. And we, can, we have a clear understanding outside of the, 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 the craziness of this life to see the working of your hand and the working of the enemy's hand. And I pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom and direction in the weeks ahead as we do prepare to go elect authorities, leaders over us, not just president, but all of them. We pray, Father, for your wisdom and your understanding, your direction in our lives. I pray, God, that you would give courage. You would give strength to each one of us to be able to stand in moments where it's difficult. And God, that promise, the room got quiet when I talked about the promise of you speaking for us before rulers. People are unsure, Lord, that you're going to give them the right words. But I pray today, by the anointing of your Holy Spirit, God, you would give them confidence. You would would clear out that concern, God, and you would remove it from their mind. Give them the boldness of Paul to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. And Father, the biggest and most important thing with all of this is that lives would be changed, souls would be saved through it all. People would come to Christ. This nation would turn its heart back to you. That there would be a mighty revival that would sweep across this land and and this nation would become the godly nation that she once was. Lord, be exalted in this place, this little part of the United States of America, this little this little uh, sanctuary and these, these fine folks, God, be exalted in their lives. And let us stand for righteousness. Be men and women of praise, men and women of glory before you, God, and servants of the Most High King. We glorify you today, Father, and we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.